0: Whoa! I'm I'm nice. nice. This is Van Electric Ghost. It's our continuing series of song deconstructions. Um, so we are uh, continuing to uh, interview artists. And last night, we interviewed uh, Skeleton uh, from Los Angeles, a DJ and um, dubstep electronic music producer. And we were very excited to talk to her. And we would like to talk to more uh, EDM and DJs. Um, we're thinking of bringing back our uh, DJ Leonata interview that we did on experiment and putting that back out. So we're probably gonna do that in a couple of days. <clears throat> but this whole conversation is is about a song we wrote uh, about two days ago. And sometimes what we do is we go through, um, you know, some of the pads we have on our Juno GI, and kind of feel um, what we would think about like taking a pad name and creating a song. From that pad name as the title of the song, so there's a there's a pad on a Juno D.I. called Thin Ice, and then we started thinking about well, what would that mean when we're talking about Thin Ice. We so, you know the literal kind of allegory that Thin Ice is, oh, you're you're taking risks and you're gonna fall and you're gonna you're gonna crash, and then we kind of take the idea that you know so there's something more to fear than the bottom of the lake, and that basically is you know if you're if you're skating on thin ice and there's something in your in your your whole you know embodiment of your personality of what you're doing with your psyche that you're gonna you're gonna fall apart you're gonna you're gonna have a hard break and um and this song we what we did is we did a kind of combination of josephine and phantom voice by changing the mix level on our vto3 vocal transformer to kind of have both voices come out and um We've done this in a couple of tracks. So we felt this particular song, we wanted the Phantom vocal to be there to kind of have the foreboding of, of the Phantom. And, and the, what's the primary tone is the thin ice pad from the Juno GI that kind of is reminiscent of like a Juno 106, Jupiter 8 type of pad. It's very full, uh, very powerful. And it uh, you know, kind of evokes uh, like the heavy new wave uh, synth tones. That a lot of people want, you know, off of a profit five or six, or a Jupiter eight themselves, and so we're very interested in trying to get that kind of sound. We think the kind of bargain way to get, you know, a Jupiter eight sound is to get a system eight. Um, the you know new um, reality of trying to get the Jupiter, I mean, the, the profit five sounds is to get a profit six, and then you have the ability you get an OB six. From Sequential, and now you know Dave Smith inter- Instruments is now finally Sequential again, which is you know big happy clap for that because um, we love DSI. We don't have any DSI gear, and we we're kind of torn because um, the way we write, we like to do a lot of piano, and you know the Moog One is a great synth and it has a lot of power, and we love doing a lot of pad and a lot of experimental sounds. But the Moog one would put us deep into that and we haven't heard of Moog in that space for 30 years. I've, I've talked about that, but the profit act still is, is, is a valid, valid, valuable instrument. Because if you like to play piano like me, I mean, you're somebody that wants to have those samples, having the ability to run them through analog processing and then have the DCOs and, you know, it's half the price of a, of a, of a Moog one. So you know, it's, um, it's a valid thing. If you want to have a Steinway, if you want to be able to have really good piano sounds, um, you know, a Kronos or an O eight or, 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 or the actual Prophet X is the type of synth you want to look at, um, you know, uh, so I think that that's kind of leaving me in a, in a situation where, you know, I have my, my Juno D-I piano, but it's not where you get the kind of piano you get off on a Prophet X, or even a Kronos. Um, so I gotta make a decision. I have a lot of synthesis capability, you know, within my Juno, and you know a lot of the other devices I've been using, like my Moog Mother 32 and Arturia, and um, a Mini Brute 2s. So you know, I was able to get a pretty fat sound using digital delay on a Juno you know, running it through my workflow, giving it some heft. Uh, but because I like to pay, play piano again, the Profit X is still like a valid instrument out there. In and best of all, worlds, you want an X and you want a Moog one. So I think Profit and uh, Moog can live together in that, you know, each, each of the companies does have a certain signature sound. And capabilities that as an artist, as a keyboardist, as a producer, you could utilize both instruments. So the Moog is kind of like really pushing it in terms of its structure and its innovation in terms of its interface. It looks like a very user-friendly interface. The screen uh, is a lot more significant than what you see on the Profit. though so The Profit probably doesn't need it in the way it's built, but I do appreciate what Moog has done in terms of the workflow and then watching like, you know, a couple hours worth of the Moog presentations on the Moog One, it looks very innovative. It looks like, you know, a continuation with the Kronos and FAO8 um, have done, but it looks like it's, you know, from a, from a Moog standpoint, they've done some really cool things of using the keyboard itself for input, the ability to have notes, the fact that patches um, are not numbered, they're named, and you can have all kinds of categories and save things. There's a large amount of memory for um, setting up your, your, um, your stage sets and your, your tones. And we haven't seen an analog synth have this level of um, sound development capability and sequencing in a long time. You know, you go back to the Phantoms. Um, they had a lot of capability. Sometimes they even had keyboards, you know, hooked up to them. Um, so there was a lot of cool stuff going on with those and the Kronos has continued that kind of functionality and F-A-O-H, you know, fao is all those models have the capability of doing a lot of music production. But just the sound design of the mode and the fact that it's using these new oscillators that appear to have the ability to, to transform into any kind of wave shape, even though, the primary wave shapes are square and triangle it looks like you can get to everything You get the sine wave you can get the sawtooth you can get to every possible type of wave with these type of oscillators so it's a different concept in the oscillators and the oscillators have multiple ways to filter them and combine them i've heard some people criticize the fact that for the three cents. Uh, there should be a, a, a separate mixer section on the keyboard that allows you to have a knob per function over the, the combination of the three cents. I think you can kind of do that from what I've seen in in, in the description through the touchscreen seems to have ability to do it in, in a pretty user-friendly way. And I understand people like having the knob per function and maybe there's, you know, an additional um, device they could create kind of like what Roland did uh, back in the day and have an additional set of knobs as a programmer to control the three cents and all the things that aren't there, as an additional feature that you could kind of prop up and put up on the synth and have additional controls. Theoretically, you know, it's totally possible to do that. You know, because Roland did that with for um some of their designs. I think on the D fifty, they had like a, a ability to do that, or the JXP eight eight eight. I think had that. Kind of capabilities. That'd be kind of cool. We are very excited uh, about our OPZ that's going to be coming. And the OPZ is a revelation um, in multiple things. Is you know the smallest workstation in the world. Uh, that's a hardware machine. Uh, the ability to control lights at a show, ability to create video, to tie to your music, and very innovative step sequencing um, with a lot of uh, bells and whistles that we haven't seen and I'm very excited to see what I can do with that device and I think the other excitement to, you know as a keyboardist uh, which I mentioned a bunch of times is the Roland AX Edge which is a phenomenal machine uh, and I know a lot of people like to criticize Roland and the plastic nature of some of their sets but they're dead reliable and you know if you're going to do a show having something that's heavy it's hard to move so it kind of goes toward the Bog One is a great machine, but you can't really lug that 45-pound thing around to gigs without having a big road crew. You know, having a System 8 or, or a Juno, it's easier to move and less prone to being blown away or, or not working because you you know messed something up when you moved it. So there's a place in the world for lightweight scents that are affordable to be able to gig. And Rolands are not just lightweight, they have a lot of capability. I've been using my Juno GI since 2008 and a lot of what Phantom the Ghost is comes from the Juno. And I have the System 8 1M um, as well and the JDXI and the MX-1. So I, I'm a rolling guy to a, a large degree. I had, I've been looking to get a polysynth to give me a different tone. Uh, so, you know, like what I've been talking about is like, you know, Prophet X and the Moog and even the Korg Prologue are they're in my radar to being able to augment my Juno? I, I, I really don't foresee actually not using the Juno, but I guess, like, if I had a System 8 or I, I brought in, um, a, a, probably the Profit X would probably totally, I would not need the Juno anymore if I had the Profit X. But if I got the Moog One, I think I could still need it for the piano. Um, so Profit X would, you know, as I said, the one keyboard solution for my current rig setup and that one slot on my rig, and you've only got one slot to replace, and you want to be able to do analog programming and you want to be able to do, um, you know, digital instruments that you need to have for your tone. The Profit X kind of gives you that. Um, but the mug One, you know, that would justify getting another stand and just putting it next to me like the equipment. <laughs> so um yeah, yeah, that shows my hero worship for uh, Week, wake wake uh, wakeman and um Keith Emerson, you know, Bernie Worrell, they are my heroes and uh you know there's a lot of cool music being done that doesn't come from that kind of space. You know, the kind of you know virtuoso keyboardist is not really, you know, looked upon as, as an entry level requirement anymore. Um, that you can do a lot of stuff in FL Studio. Where you can do a lot of stuff um, in the DAWs, but I still have a soft spot for, for keyboarders to actually play the keys. And, you know, this year with the Prophet X, you know, the Moog Grandmother, the, you know, Prologue, and the Moog One, we have a really good year for keyboard players, even a Waldorf Quantum there's so many great keyboards being introduced this year. It's kind of like, like, if it's like the DX7 and a Jupiter, uh, you know, 106 all come out in the same year. It is kind of incredible that we've got this kind of, uh, scene for electronic musicians. And I would say to the young folks that spend thousands of dollars on DAWs, that if you look into getting something like a Profit X or a Moog1, you would really, um, impressed with what you could do to your mix uh, with a real synth. Um, I understand that there, there, there are folks that are going to always gravitate toward the, the, the digital workstation, but if you ever get your hands on any kind of Moog or analog synth or Eurorack gear, I've seen a lot of new um, DJ electronic artists integrating euroracks into their gods. I think it's something you ought to look into because it will differentiate your sound and give you an endless source of things without having to buy plugins. And yeah, it's heavier and harder to move around, but in your home studio, it's to me, is like going forward in music, having the ability to uh, understand subtractive synthesis or additive synthesis would just increase your chops and open up, you know, ability to work on soundtracks, ability to do collaborations that are not just EDM collaborations, but full electronic music that's beyond just EDM, uh which I was stressing over and over again. I think uh, learning how to use a keyboard, whether you're going to be a virtuoso or not, just gives you the overall structure to build a song. Uh, in, in a way that you can't do on the DAW, um, though some people probably argue you can do everything on a DAW, I would say there's some things in terms of trying to play jazz type of compositions or kind of free. Um, progressive type of um, music does require the ability to, to play a keyboard at some level. And that's why you see a lot of DAWs integrated with MIDI keyboards. Um, so that's my little soapbox for now. Um, we're always looking to talk to people from multiple genres. We're hoping to talk to actors and actresses and uh, poets and directors, uh, even people who own music labels want to you know interview their stable of artists so if you're interested in in that type of thing give us a a a ping on anchor with a voice memo favorite our podcast and get in touch with us and we can talk to you about interviewing people on your label or your collective or even collaborations of course we are fan supported and so if you could look at our 99 cent 4.99 and 9.99 support levels we can keep on doing what we're doing And we appreciate all the fans who've been listening to us. We're at 1.4K on the listens now, uh, moving up. And uh, thank you again for your support. This is Family Electric Go signing off.